بالوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم ومخرج الصبر من الألم فملق التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم العرب منهم والعجم فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبير تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إذا السماء فطرت وإذا الكواكب انتثرت وإذا البحار فجرت وإذا القبور بعثرت علمت نفس ما قدمت وأخرت يا أيها الإنسان ما غرك بربك الكريم الذي خلقك فسواك فعدلك في أي صورة ما شاء أركبك رب الشحل صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يبقه قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين رب العالمين uh, In today's khutbah I will try to talk to you uh, fundamentally about the sixth ayah of Surah Al-Infitar and as I try to talk to you about that I'd like to set the scene of the placement of this ayah first uh, as is very important, we have to know not just what Allah says, but in what context He says it. Like, you know, if you take somebody's speech and you just take one thing out of that speech, you could misunderstand it. So knowing what, we're, what, what they were talking about beforehand and what the subject was, and then taking that sentence can mean something entirely different. So this surah begins with a description of what's going to happen on Judgment Day, when the sky is going to get torn open, and when the stars are going to dwindle and lose their light and are going to be dispersed. They're going to start falling apart. Like, you know, like um, if you imagine pearls on a sheet and somebody shakes the sheet and all the pearls are dispersing because, you know, people that look at the night sky, uh, we don't look at the night sky much because of pollution or because we live in cities and we don't need navigation by looking at the stars anymore. But people that were out in the desert, they their navigation system was either the sun during the day or it was the stars at night. And same thing with people that travel by sea, right? They looked at the stars to, to guide them. Um, and this is what Allah talks about in the Quran too, the, the use of stars as navigation. In fact, even nowadays, pilots, if their navigation systems fail, they actually still look at the stars for navigation. So the stars, the reason you can rely on them for navigation is because they're fixed for us, for our view. Just like the sun is fixed, oh, that's east, daytime, that's coming out from the east, it's fixed. You're never going to see the sun come out and you say, I wonder if that's north or, or south because they're fixed, right? And so our sense of direction in the world actually comes from the sky. 
that's where it comes from. And that on that day, the entire sky itself is going to get torn open. So what to speak of the earth? And then the stars that were always in place are going to look like they're pearls falling off of a sheet. And then the oceans are going to explode, fujirat, when the oceans are going to be made to explode. Like we think of tsunamis and, and things like that, but this is more a description of when you have water that's boiling and it's just you know popping out of the, the kettle. That's the description of the oceans on that day. This is actually an interesting word, ba'athara. It's a combination of ba'atha and athara which is um, when the graves are going to be toppled in. If you, if you have like a, a look for kids, if you have like a bucket of toys or something, or you have a bunch of Lego pieces in there and you just put your hand in there and you're trying to grab that piece and you feel for the right one, right? And you're just messing around or, you know, people sometimes they have a messy backpack or a messy purse or something, right? And they're like, where did I put the, where did I put my phone? Where did I put the keys? And they're just ransacking inside the bag. They can't see it. They're just ransacking inside it to feel for the keys, right? And whatever chaos is left behind is that's that's mubarfar. So when the graves are going to be ransacked to pull out the people that were inside them, that's the chaos of what's even going to happen. The most the most calm place you think of, where a person is no longer disturbed by anything, where silence has taken over, is their grave. That's not a place of movement or chaos anymore. And that becomes the place of the ultimate chaos. So he says, When that stuff is happening, when that, and you know, it's, imagine somebody who's just been ripped out of their grave. Like they were, you know, when somebody just shockingly wakes you up, immediately wakes you up, your first thought should be, why'd you wake me up? Or you're, you're not sure where you are. You're in shock, right? And then when you wake up, everything looks like a nightmare because the sky is torn, the, the oceans are boiling over. And you just woke up from your grave after thousands of years of sleep. What's your what are your thoughts at that moment? What you know, processing everything that's happening that's overwhelming. Allah says, Allah mentions one thought in that moment for you and me that is gonna take over. One thought in the surah. And that's that thought is Alimat Nafsumakadamatuakharat. A person will then realize, and then they will really know what did they put ahead. What Arabic students know, taqdim and ta'khir, muqaddam and mu'akhar. What did they make muqaddam in their life? And what did they make mu'akhar in their life? You know what that means? What did they put in front? What did they put behind? In English, simple English, what did they make a priority? And what did they put on the back, on the back end? Our entire life is actually just that, mine and yours, every single day. Something is a priority and something can wait. It's what it is. I decide I have a lot of time. I can just get, take a nap. My nap becomes a priority. The work I had to finish can wait. If I say I got to finish work first, I'll eat later. My work becomes a priority. The eating can wait. All the time I'm making something muqaddam and I'm making something muakhar. I'm putting something ahead and I'm putting something later. Right? That's in terms of time. In terms of time, oh, oh I'll, I'll get to that this weekend. I'm busy this week, I'm working this week, I'll get to it on the weekend. What is, so your work became muqaddam and whatever that task was became muakhar. People delay their trip, muqaddam and muakhar. But that, on that day when all of that stuff is happening, Allah says, you'll think about all the things you put in front and all the things you put in the back. But it also means other things. 
it means you will realize and I will realize on that day what was more important and what was less important. Obviously, the things you put in front are more important to you, right? And I got to do that first because that's more important to me. I care about that more right now. And the thing that you want to that you put later is not as big of a priority. It's not as important to you. So this statement is also about a person will wake up on that day and realize what are the things that they live, their life showed what was more important and their life showed to them what was less important. What was more important and what was less important. What should they think about? What should they not think about? When they made a decision, you know, whenever we make a decision, there are things we think about, right? Let's take a simple example, like eating food, right? For a Muslim, we're going to think about is it halal or not, isn't it? You might think about other things. Is it healthy or not? Is it in line with my diet or not? Is it a good time to eat this or not? Is it expensive or not? Whatever. There are other factors. But the biggest factor for you and me is, is it permissible or not? Is it halal or not? Number one. But a person could say, well, you know, but it tastes really good. So the halal haram is a second thing. That became mu'akhar. And the taste became muqaddam. The taste became muqaddam. It could be that the health benefits of the food are not great, but the taste is amazing. So the taste became muqaddam and the health benefits or the health harms became muakhar. Right? That's that's what taqdim and taqheed is. This is what I'm talking about here. What became more important? What became less important? But why is that question being asked on judgment day the moment a person comes out of their grave? They just got ripped out of their grave. And at that moment, that's when they realize what did I make priority and what did I make not, not priority? That's Allah telling you and me that there were lots of times in my life when I had to choose Allah and not someone else. Not myself, not my feelings, not my greed, not somebody else's feelings, not somebody else's concerns, not my wants, not their wants. I had to pick what Allah wants first. But I picked something else. I made something else muqaddam. I, I, I pick someone else, or I pick something else, or I pick myself. Something else became more important. And you know what? No matter how much we tell ourselves that that's okay, that's us lying to ourselves. That's us fooling ourselves. The reality of it is, when Allah and His Messenger وسلم, tell us something, they ask us to do something, when they tell us something is wrong, when they tell us something is mandatory, you have to do it this way, you must never do it that way, then they're doing it because they care more for us. Allah cares and loves me more. And the Messenger وسلم, wants more good for me than I could even want for myself. I could even want for myself. Rasul would describe himself as somebody who is trying to take you know, moth and flies. When they see light, what do they do? They run into it. They run into a fire and he's trying to push them away. Right? People get those mosquito traps that are illuminated and you hear a snap or an electric shock every time another, another one hits it. Right? This is our Prophet's life. And people are so, people were like those bugs that are so drawn into it. And when we're shooed away, you're like, why are you wanting me to stop from everything? Why are you making my life hard? Why are you so being so hard on me? Why can't you just let me burn? That's how we see it because we're so deluded by what we think is the priority. What we think is the priority. And on that day, when everything is flipped upside down, the sky is flipped upside down, the graves are flipped upside down, the ocean is flipped upside down, that's the one day, the one thing that will be flipped the right side up is our thinking. Right now, everything is in order and our thinking is upside down. And on Judgment Day, everything will be upside down and our thinking will be reoriented correctly. 
Now I know what the real priorities were. What did I make priority? What did I put on the side? And this is not the ayah that I wanted to talk about in the khutbah today. The ayah I wanted to talk about is this next one. Ya ayyuhal insan, ma gharraka bi rabbikal kareem. Human. Ya ayyuhal insan, human. Insan, by the way, is, an, is a comp composite word of two things. When Allah calls us human. Hey, human. What it refers to is someone who forgets a lot from this yan. You forgetful creature. You forgetful creature is how Allah addresses us. And then another way of thinking about it is from uns, which is love and compassion. You creature, you, you thing, you, you being that's made up of so much love. You feel the need to be loved. You know, cats don't feel the need for a hug. Kids do. Adults do. They feel the need to feel validated, to feel love, to feel like they belong, and they feel the need to give love. Human beings have that like no other creature does. That's what makes us insan too. Allah calls on both of those qualities when He calls each and every one of us. And by the way, the, the nida here, the call here, Ya yuhal insan, human! When you hear that, you're not, I'm not thinking of anyone else. I'm not thinking of the nations that passed or the, the disbelievers or any... You know, Allah didn't say, Ya Yuhal Kafir. He said, Ya Yuhal Insan. So he talks to me and he talks to you. And he didn't even say, Allah will say on that day. It's just these words are being said. So we don't even know who the Qail is. Who, who's speaking here? It's the Maqul al-Qawl, but who's the Qail? One way to think about that is, the speaker here is Allah himself. Allah is saying this to us. Another way you can think about it is when judgment day comes and you realize what your priorities were and what they should have been, what took, what, what came forward, what went in the back seat, how you easily forgot who your Rabb is. So, e you know, so, so easily you let go. It makes sense at that time to talk to yourself and say, you forgetful creature. Ma is a question word. What in the world deceived you? What in the world gave you false hopes? When it came to your gracious master, Al Kareem, this this question is one of the most hard hitting and heart penetrating questions in the Quran. Ya al insan, ma Al Kareem. Like, if you don't memorize a lot of Quran or you don't know a lot of Quran, if you want to just write something on your fridge and just think about it every day, put this one on the fridge. Ya al insan, ma Al Kareem. Let's let's dig into what these words are. Gharra in Arabic, to I translate it as deceived. Ibn Ashur al tafsir says, Al-Itma'u bima yatawahamuhu al-maghroor naf'an wa huwa dar. He says, when a person puts their hopes and their thoughts into something that they're deceived by, thinking that it will bring good to them. They'll feel good because of it. They'll be okay because of it. They'll be safer because of it. They'll be happy because of it. They'll be at peace because of it. And all of that's wrong. It's actually harmful. It's actually, they are convinced that it's all the good things they want. They're convinced themselves of that. But it's actually harmful. That's ghurur. What does that word tell you? That there are lots of things in life that are very attractive, that we want, that our heart feels towards. But our heart is lying to us. Our heart doesn't have information. Our heart has feelings. It doesn't have the, it doesn't have reality. It's just says, wow. So our heart needs guidance because our heart is blind. It's, it's, it just sees something it wants, it's drawn towards it. It sees something else it wants, it's drawn toward that. It's, these, it's the longing inside it. What it's missing, it wants to fill it. 
And Allah from His revelation gives gives vision to this heart. It lets it see. It lets it think it's let it it lets it think. Know what you want. Your feeling is good, but the direction you're putting it in is not good. Your feeling is something I put in you. The, the, the thing you want, you you're supposed to want it. But the way you're going about it, you're deluding yourself that that's going to bring you peace. And the way he wants you to do it is the way he spelled things out. This is the this is the halal way. This is the way to avoid haram. And when he wants us to avoid haram, it's only because we're going to hurt ourselves if we go the haram way. Not anybody else. Or the first victim of it is going to be ourselves. It's going to be me. Nobody, not nobody else. First, first and foremost, it's going to be me. And you know what? Shaitan comes and says, Shaitan comes and says, Why are you being so hard on yourself? Why are you being so strict? Why are you being so Islamic? Why, why do you have to do that? And Allah is responding in this question, not even Allah, I'm going to be saying this to myself on Judgment Day. Ya Allah, you gave me the right priorities. You gave me what should be put later. And I didn't listen to you because I kept forgetting who you really are. First of all, I got deceived by the wrong things. And second of all, I forgot who you are to me. Bi rabbikal kareem. What deceived you from your gracious master? Your Kareem master. Kareem in Arabic, it's so interesting, such a beautiful, interesting word. It's associated with things that are the most beautiful and noble and desirable. So a horse that had the most silky mane and had the most beautiful you know, texture and you know, healthy body, like the Arabian horse, the ultimate Arabian horse was Karam also to them, right? So this word is associated with treasures. It's associated with a golden, you know, uh, beads, necklaces, you know, that's made up of expensive gold. That's also called karm and kirm. The word it was associated with all things nice, all things noble, all things high class, all things quality. And then by gen by extension, the word started getting used for generosity. So it was des describing the Prophet ﷺ, Karim and Ibn Karim, right, and and so on. A noble one, son of a noble one, son of a noble one, right? Noble meaning he's going to be generous with us. He's going to be gracious with us. Allah himself is so noble and so gracious and so generous that we forget him and he treats us with kindness anyway. Then we make something else a priority and he gives us kindness anyway. And we humiliate his rules and his regulations in our life. We act as if they don't exist. We act as if they don't matter. And he doesn't humiliate us in return. He still treats us with dignity. He still keeps clothes on our back. He still doesn't humiliate us in front of humanity. He doesn't do that. He keeps treating us with karam. He's kareem to me. And he's always been that way. I don't return the, the favor at all. I don't even begin to. I keep forgetting. I keep dismissing him and dismissing what he says. I keep, and I, I, think, I don't think twice about it. I just assume that Allah will give and Allah will give and Allah will give. He's been, he's been taking care of me all this time, so he understands. It's okay. But on that day, I'm not going to be saying Allah understands. On that day, I'm going to be saying, what have I made? I made the wrong priorities. You know, Human being, what deceived you from your gracious man? And then what's, what's the description of his grace? The one who created you, the one who made you balanced so you can walk on two feet. He made you able to, to distinguish between right and wrong. He balanced you as a human being. He made you a thinking creature. 
فَسَوَّعَ He perfected your form, made you balanced and just and fair. And any shape he wanted, he, you know, فِي أَيِّ صُورَةٍ He took you through phases in life. Those were his design. But in all of them, every single time, every phase Allah put you through, every adventure He put you through, every difficulty He put me through, every trial He put me through, every experience He put me through, all the people that came into my life, all the people that left my life, every one of them was Allah taking me through a journey. And in every one of them, I had to see what's my priority and what's not. Sometimes we forget about Allah and a person becomes our priority. Sometimes we forget about Allah, ourselves become a priority. We so easily forget over and over and over again. This is the last thing I'll share with you about what's what's being said here. Um, I used to give this example to, to explain this because I, you know, from my teaching background, when I used to teach younger kids, uh, if a teacher comes into the classroom and never disciplines the students, never, just comes into the classroom, kids are, some kids writing on the desk, another kid's writing on some other kid's face, some kids are like, you know, playing catch with the textbook. Another guy's using a pencil for darts, whatever. This is a circus in the classroom. And the teacher just always nice, always joking, always jolly, never disciplining anybody, just gently asking people to calm down. Hey guys, come on, let's do the lesson. And you know, there's some kid dancing on top of the chair, some other kids doing this or that. Never any punishment, never any, any discipline. And the teacher is considered really generous. And even the worst students, he talks to them so nicely. The, the student that's completely ignoring him. Hey, uh, Ahmed, could you come here? And Ahmed's still talking. Ahmed says, hold on a second. I'm talking to my friend. Turn, turns to the student and says, turns to the teacher and says, hold on, teacher. I, I, I see what you're saying. But wait, listen, I'm describing my video game progress right now. Can you hold on a second? And he continues. What should a teacher do usually in that, by that time? By, the, by that time, you, you're the next animal to be sacrificed for Eid. But no, this teacher's okay, why don't you finish your conversation? But I'd really appreciate it if you paid attention. This is math class after all. Could you please? No, no. I understand it's math class. I get it. Can you not be so annoying though? A student's acting that way. And a teacher is just being gracious and gracious and generous and noble. and noble. You know what happens when you act like that? And people start walking all over you, don't they? This teacher is just getting walked all over him. Even by kids. And if he keeps this up, then the... Students feel like there are no consequences for their behavior, for their disrespectful attitude, for their dismissal of the teacher's instructions. None of what he says has any value because he is so kind, because he's so nice. There's another teacher who's an authoritarian. The moment you even see them coming down the hallway, you are sitting straight in your chair like the Jama'ah Salah started and you're standing and not even looking around. Because there's a different attitude. When someone's authoritarian, you, you get shivers up your spine. There's a different attitude. But when that teacher's gone and the other teacher's gone, oh, now I can relax because he's kareem. You know what Allah is saying in this ayah? Allah has been kareem to you. Do you think that means you get to act like that? I, I've been kareem to you your whole life. Whether you obeyed me or disobeyed me, did you start thinking because I'm so kareem to you that there are no consequences? Didn't I gently and lovingly tell you there are consequences? Didn't Allah teach you? Didn't Allah teach me what is right and wrong and what, what the result, what the price is for each? Didn't he tell me what judgment day is? Didn't he tell me the ocean is going to boil over and the stars are going to flip? The sky is going to tear open and graves are going to get tired? Didn't he tell me all of this? 
And he told me with so much generosity, he didn't shake me up and say it, but a time will come when, when that happens, then ya ayyuhal insan, human, what has deceived you? What, what deceived you? When you say what deceived you, gharraka, past tense, gharra like nasara, past tense. You know, when it's, when it's past tense like that, you know what, it's too late already. But we're not reading this on judgment day. We're reading this right now. We're listening to this right now. So Allah has given us a scene of the future that's going to happen, but He allowed us to know about it right now. So if you had a vision of the future, that a day is coming where I will realize what my priorities were supposed to be, and I didn't make the right choices, and then I'm going to be told, what deceived you from your gracious master? And then I wake up and realize it hasn't happened yet. I'm here. I'm right now. I'm not on judgment day. Then you know what? Then this question becomes about what did you allow to deceive yourself all up until now? Was it people in your life? Was it yourself? Was it your own greed? Was it your own selfishness? Was it your, the lies you tell yourself? What was it? Inside you, what was, it? was it a darkness inside you? What was it that has deceived you so far? Whatever it was, can't be worth it anymore. This, the time to change has come. I heard this ayah. I, my priorities got to change. These are the kinds of ayat that become life transformations for you and me. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter what pain I have to go through to make a change. I am ready for it, Ya Rab, because you've been so kareem to me. And I'm ready for it because I would rather this realization right now and not on Judgment Day. I would rather this realization now. I don't care if that makes me cry or someone else cry. I don't care if it makes me upset or someone else upset. I don't care if it make, puts me through withdrawals or someone else through withdrawals. If it's alcohol I'm addicted to, then I quit today. I don't care how much it hurts. If it's prayer I've been missing, I'm praying from now on. I don't care how late I have to go to sleep, how early I have to go to sleep. I'm going to change. If it's something haram I've been doing, I quit. I don't care who gets mad and who gets upset. If it's a haram business, I'm leaving the business. I don't care if the money doesn't come in anymore. I don't care. Because I, what I care about is this day. Priorities, right? And when you change those priorities and you make them Allah's priorities, you're going to find people and yourself in your life fighting against that and telling you, hey, what happened to your priorities? Do you not care about this, this, this? No, I don't. Because I have a different thing I care about more. I put that muqaddam and I'm putting everything else muakhar. I'm putting that first, I'm putting everything else second. I'd rather be and you would rather be people that make the right priorities now. Now. Find the strength to do that. Find the strength in Allah's words to do that. That's why they're there. This is a, this is a reminder that I'm giving myself and to all of you that are the door on our deeds is not closed yet. Whatever mistakes you've made, whatever wrong you've done, whatever wrong I've done, the door to tawbah is open. Ask Allah to forgive, but not just ask Allah to forgive. Make a real, real change, a real change. Show Allah and show yourself what your priorities really are. You have no one to prove anything to. Doesn't matter who calls you what. Doesn't matter who, how anybody judges you. That doesn't matter. They won't care about you when the time comes. It doesn't matter who gets upset and how they see you and how they perceive you. This is a world in which everything is perception. The only perception that matters is how you see yourself and how Allah sees you. When that becomes clear to you, then you're ready for this change. 
And if not, these same things that are constants that we see that are part of life, that are always there. Allah says when the stars won't be where they're supposed to be and the ocean's not there when they're supposed to be, those are not constants anymore. Why do you think people's opinions are such a constant to you? Why do you think society is such a constant to you that you can't budge from it? Put your priorities in place. Put, let me put my priorities in place. May Allah Azza wa not make us of those who get deceived and forget who their gracious Rabb is and don't take advantage of the grace of their Rabb that they lose out on it on judgment day. On your own time, this is again Surah Al-Infitar. What I'd like you to do on your own time is actually go through it. Uh, read it. And even if you have just a basic translation of it, just think, ponder over what Allah is saying in this short. So that's not even it's not even a whole page. So it's not a big homework assignment. It's not even a whole page. Just sit there for yourself. You don't have to talk to anybody about it. Just you on your own. Just sit with the surah and just contemplate what Allah is saying to you. What conversation is He having with you inside of the surah? Barakallahu li walakum fil Quran al Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayat wa الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على أفضلهم بخاتم النبيين محمد الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا